This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. Lawrence Ho is a third generation Chinese immigrant in Kolkata. He is 72 years old. Why my grandfather came to India? If you know the history of that that time India was the golden bird. You know very rich country. All the job was there everything was there. So China at that time was going very bad time. There was a famine, all the thing civil war, all the thing going on. That's why they left and they came over here to earn some money and take it back home. He reminisces about the thriving Chinatown of his childhood before things changed. In the Chinatown, there was mostly all the Chinese, all these places, all the Chinese playing around. In fact, some buildings over there only Chinese were there. Now you go, there's no Chinese at all. This side you go from this side, there's a China, all Chinese was there. Practically, this line, you know, most of the Chinese was there. When you walk in the Chai, they sing, oh yeah, you find only Chinese walking around and all that. That's why they call it Chinatown, this place. All things happening very slowly, you know, so we don't feel anything much difference. Slowly, slowly, one friend is going, another friend is going, another place is, this house, this, uh, my next door neighbor is going and another people coming over there. So it become very slowly. It's not like a magic, just change. So it become very slowly. Now when we think and realize, it's happened, we feel as if just very short time it happened all this thing. But it took a lot of time to do this thing. Hi, I am Surya Tapa Mukherjee reporting for this episode of the Suno India Show. This is the first episode of my mini-series Chinatown Fading in which I speak to the dwindling Chinese-Indian community in Kolkata. In this episode, I speak to Lawrence Ho about the clubs in Tireti Bazaar, also known as the Old Chinatown. They are also sometimes called temples or churches. These socio-religious community clubs have supported the Chinese community through historic tragedies. But more on that later. Most people of Chinese descent in India can trace their origins back to pre-partition Bengal. The first Chinese immigrant to the region is believed to have been a sailor merchant known as Yang Atyu, who arrived in 1778. The British gave him land near the town of Bojboj on the banks of River Hooghly to set up a sugar mill and a sugarcane plantation. He brought people from China to work for him, forming the first Chinese settlement. The town was later named Achipur after him. Mao Zedong's regime and the world wars, among other events, were responsible for continued immigration through the 1900s. By 1901, the census recorded 1,640 Chinese people living in Kolkata, By the end of the Second World War, the number surged to at least 26,250. See, all the Chinese who came from, most of them were labor class people. You, and we are people from Nam, uh, Suntak, 
Namhoyen Suntak, we have people from there. We are labor class people, they were good in carpenter. So maximum there was carpenter, Cantonese, all the Chinese were the most of the carpentry work they used to do. If you don't remember, you don't know that one, that there was a chain carpentry over here, just in the gate, chain carpentry there. At that time, once upon a time, there was a very famous carpenter in Kolkata. All the big jobs and all they used to do, all the things. So they were very famous for a carpentry. My grandfather, my father was a carpenter. The Chinese who emigrated to Kolkata in search of work were mainly from Guangdong province. The carpenters were mainly Cantonese-speaking from western part of the province. Their work was admired by the British and they mainly settled in the Tireti Bazaar locality. The tanners mainly came from the eastern part of the province and spoke Hakka. There was a high demand for high-quality leather goods in colonial India, which they fulfilled. But working with rawhide was condemned in upper caste Hindu society, so they set up their business around Tangra, which was an area of marshlands on the outskirts of the city. Cantonese community, no, there's a Hakka community. Hakka is also here, some Hakkas is staying here. They got a shoe shop. You heard about the bending strip, huh? the shoe shops and all. They were very famous once upon a time. So they used to make a shoes and all. At that time, we was very famous in the shoes and Hakka's shoes were very famous. A lot of people come and order and make it. Now the everything is come, poor thing, everything is closed down. The Chinese workers of a particular area who had come to Kolkata started forming social clubs together. Back then, it was mostly men who travelled alone to India for work. These clubs had a traditional temple and games like mahjong. They also had sleeping quarters for workers. When workers would die alone away from family, these clubs made funeral arrangements. Whenever a new immigrant would come from a particular province, he would first head straight to his community club. You can see this club over here. This club is for Namsun. People from Namhoi and Suntak. There's a two district like that. Namhoi Nam and Suntak, there's a district over there. People from that district, peoples, when they came to Calcutta, somehow they get together and they build this club. You see? So, we cannot say that we are alone, that time they, they were alone, they were, all the friends were there, all the things, some relatives is there, all these things, they came. As they hear that they, they got a work, everything is there, then they came and came to India and see that is. The Namsun Club is the largest and the oldest among all the Chinese clubs still standing in Tereti Bazaar. It was built in 1820 and has since been preserved in its original state. Finding the Chinese establishments in Chinatown reminded me a bit of Harry Potter looking for Diagon Alley. Unless you know the locations from Google Maps or find local Chinese people to guide you, you will be lost. I walked down several winding narrow alleyways lined with small shops and homes of non-Chinese people who dominate these areas now. Finally, I found a red doorway tucked away with a sign overhead saying Nam Soon Club. 
when you work through it, it feels like you've entered another world. Beyond a large courtyard, there are rooms with sacred shrines of Chinese gods and a small school. Lawrence Ho shows me around. Comparing the gods to those in Hindu mythology for my understanding. Here's our main Kwantai, Kwankung, where they call it. But uh, it is similarly, he is like a Sankar Bhagwan, all powerful, all this thing. He was a general, very good general on us. They started people worshipping him. And this side is a god of fortune. We ask for any money, fortune, and all. we'll request him to give us a lot of money. If you need, you can also pray. <laughs> and this is a carpenter god, they call it, but a god of work. Viskarma. Your Viskarma is like the same. Different rooms are homes to different gods and serve different purposes. Classroom over there, this is a... We call it Hingpong for a resting place for our, this, our ancestors and all. After burial, we'll come and show them and tell them this is now your place to rest and all. So we bury them in the Karastan cemetery. We have our own cemetery in, uh, in Tengra, that side area. Big cemetery, very big cemetery. The shrines are adorned with stunning ornaments and metallic carvings painted in gold. Some are weapons of the gods. Some installations depict entire mythical battle scenes with heavenly figures that seem to float in the air. All these are weapons of this thing, gods. You, if you see, see the monkey, monkey god, you seen that, see that uh, this thing, movie, monkey god. There's a Chinese monkey god, like, same like Hanuman, no, yeah, is there. This is a very beautiful. <laughs> These are all from China. This, all these things are from China. Okay, Even the bell, all this all come from China. That a ship used to come, no? It's over 100, 120 to 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. So why has the Chinese community dwindled so drastically? Why is it increasingly rare to find Chinese people in Kolkata's Chinatown? Here's a clip from Doordarshan all those years ago. Lhasa, the capital of Tibet and the abode of the Dalai Lama had come under the control of the Chinese army. Towards the end of the 50s, Chinese troops started intruding into Indian territory in Ladakh, Parahoti, and the Northeast. In the uninhabited Aksai Chin Plateau of Ladakh, they constructed a road across Indian territory. Indian patrols were fired upon, killing many. When repression increased in Tibet, the Dalai Lama, the spiritual head of Tibet, escaped was granted asylum in India, in keeping with international convention, but the Chinese were unhappy. It resulted in the 1962 Sino-Indian War with a Chinese victory. China declared a ceasefire and withdrew from NEFA, 
the larger of the two disputed territories, but kept the smaller outside Chen. See, Chinese people, they are... Basically, everybody knows 1962 there was a Chinese-India war. Afterward, there, there were a lot of um, strict rules on the Chinese and all. They are not allowed to go anywhere, stay... Ah, like a home arrest, like that, something like that, in Calcutta and also. And that's why, after that, all this incident, people started looking for somewhere else. At that time, also, a lot of Chinese went to Hong Kong, Taiwan, those wherever they can get, China also, they went. Either wherever they get a chance, they went away. Now, at present... Generation people who has a boy, uh, money and all, they send their children to Australia, Canada, US, New Zealand, all these things. Yeah, it was a discrimination at that time also because that time uh, there were no job is allowed for the Chinese. Those who are doing private job, they used to do. A uh, lot of people used to work for the port and all that. They are not allowed to go to the port. Uh, they cannot enter any government on uh, this thing, uh, place they are working, they were terminated there and then, that time. They were told not to go anywhere, they were not allowed, if they cannot go out of the, this area, they want to cross the Howrah, this thing, that time you have to take a permit from the, the this police, and all this thing, restriction was there. I believe that was quite a lot of years. So people, a lot of people has no job, no money, people do, were poor, many people died, many people committed suicide at present. After seeing this one, a lot of Chinese started going out. The rising nationalism in India, even before the actual war, entailed assaults on the Chinese population, whom they suspected of being sympathetic to the Chinese government. Many Chinese schools and media were shut down and people of Chinese descent were assaulted by mainstream Indians. Their property, restaurants and shops were damaged. When once at school was destroyed in Tiradi Bazaar, they went to Namsoon Club for help. All were, those buildings are broken down. They were trying to vacate that places. They, they don't have the place. That's why Chengko primary school, no. They requested our club, this thing, delegates and all this thing, to give them the place. It is, I'm talking about now in the 50s, talk over 1950, something like that. At that time, they were giving them the place. Not, they asked requesters of place. So, they have given them the place. Till the place, they get a new, new place and go. They never got it. And they, even the Chinese school is closed. Now the only Indian people are studying in Antwerp. After the war ended, India passed the Defense of India Act in December 1962, permitting the apprehension and detention of any person suspected of being of, I quote, hostile origin. Under the draconian law, people of Chinese origin were detained at the desert prison camp in Deoli, Rajasthan. All of them were accused of being spies, but the charges were never proven. In 1964, many were deported, resulting in the breakup of families. The last internees were released from Deodi in 1967, 
when India and China resumed diplomatic relations. The suffering didn't end once they were freed. Those who were allowed to return found their homes and business establishments auctioned off, looted or forcibly occupied. Until the mid-80s, Chinese Indians were required to report to designated police stations once a month. Until as recently as the mid-90s, they had to apply for special permits to travel more than a few kilometers from their homes. It was only in 1998 that people of Chinese descent were allowed naturalized Indian citizenship. See, that time it was very sad thing, you see. Those people who were arrested, they were put in the Rajasthan camp over there. You know, those people who are arrested from here, they were, they got a quit India notice. Those people who had any connection with the Chinese government and all, they were there and then, that time, they were just packed up and sent to China. That was, happened. Not saying not happened. See, see, I came to Calcutta also quite late, after 1962. You see, before that I have no knowledge. I was in a Rajasthan camp. I was born in Jalpaiguri, that side, with my father and mother. No, I had a, a sister. I had a two, uh, one sister, one brother. How long were you in the Nearly two years. It was all right for me, I cannot say. I don't want to talk really. It is better not to talk all these things, you know. Let's talk about something forwarding to thing because I have to stay in India. I don't want to say anything against and all. From there, we were released from the Calcutta. We were brought to Calcutta. We are not allowed to go to northeast. That side, not allowed to go. That's why we came over here, Calcutta. There were a lot of Chinese inside. They helped us. We had this club. This club helped us. We are the, that's why we are the club member of the, we are the club member. I'm telling you, you know, we are from one place, people from the Namoy and Suntak, one district people who, they can only join on this club. Other four people from this cannot join. So we are more or less like a family. So we are like a little bit more like a family, you know. People who from the Suntak, Nam uh, and this thing, we are like a family. We treat up with this thing. Something, now something happened to somebody, we have to invite all this, more or less, all the club members, you know, that is. So after the war, gradually things started deteriorating and nobody did anything to make things okay again? No, couldn't come up after that one, they couldn't come up, all the people who had the money and all, they all, they ran away from some other country. So all the people who had very minimum, only working class people, they were left over here, so they have no chance to do anything. Now those who people who are doing now well, they slowly, slowly they did it. I saw people are going, those people, who, they went or they have a relative, something like that to go to the Canada. And I also feel like going over there, but need a money. Even uh, you qualification, everything is there. That is not only the criteria. You need to have some money to go to U.S. and Canada. Right or wrong? Yeah, yeah. So you also want to go with them? Naturally, if I had got a money and chance, because I was qualified. <laughs> I had done a technical this thing, you know, very qualified. Lot of my friends over there, though. 
US, Australia, Canada, they are doing very well. They are telling me, Lawrence, you, you, you also see we are doing very well. Um, especially all the technical boys and all we are in uh, Canada, Australia, all these places. Yeah, what happened that time? We had a Chinatown. We are living in our own world, like a Chinese and all. All around you can find only Chinese and all, all the shops and working, hotels, runs and all. They were quite good. If it, not, I think, I don't think that if there was no fire, war and all the thing, you could have been the Kolkata could have been same like a Singapore. All the Chinese went to the Singapore. They settled over there. They prosper over there. You see. But it cannot happen in India because of the war and, and all these things there. So, very sad thing it is. Do you think like there's a way to bring it back or like the, there are things that the government could have done after the war to, you know, make things better? <laughs> I do not have any negative idea or you know, something. But I don't think so. They look like it will go, going to vanish. More, more a community, Chinese community is very. You can see there's a one book is already dis, uh, uh, wrote by Mr. Xie. Tung Min Tung Xie. There's a lost tribe. They say that the lost tribe. Chinese are more or less living. We hardly have three, four. Before this place was a full thing. Now the Chinese people, especially young Chinese people, are harder to spot on these streets. I didn't see any Chinese children at all. Lawrence shows me photos of the Namsoon Club members from their youth displayed in the meeting room. Then he excitedly takes me to the courtyard to show the names of donors painted beautifully on a marble wall. But he laments that water damage has faded the letters over the years. The clubs of old Chinatown stand like monuments to a grand past, painted in red, gold and green, but they are hard to find among the decades lanes reeking of neglect. The last generations who grew up here, surrounded by Chinese people, cultures and languages, still make their way to these clubs to reminisce about the good old days and see familiar faces. And for a couple hours, it seems like nothing has changed. I come over here Sunday, practically I make it a point to come Sunday, meet all the friends and all. We have a talk together and all the things. More or less, every year many people come over there. Who has a, those people who have a father, mother and all, relative, they come over here, Calcutta meet, especially the Chinese New Year time, they come over there. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now.